from 87 Lafayette, it's Coronapod. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Adam. So Adam, temp check. You got the thermometers? I got you the got thermometers. thermometers. Let's, okay. uh, shall right, we do this? So how, you know, it's been a while since I, since I used one so of what, these. What, uh, okay, I, okay, I, I talked to our roommate who is a med student. Um, he could not be here for this, but he said you press the button, you put it under your tongue, and you wait until it beeps. So while we do right. that, we'll leave you with this little musical interlude. Mine just started beeping. Mm. I'm at I'm mm. at 96.8. What are you at, Matt? Pull it out. Mine hasn't beeped. No, you're so beeping first. Did it? Yeah. Well, I'm at 97.7. So we are okay, okay to right. continue the we podcast. Right. Thank podcast you so much for joining us today. Very we good. are very, very, very excited. We have a great show lined up for you today. Well, we are, don't hype it too much. We will be I, speaking you know, later with the Reverend Mia Kano. She will share her perspective on spirituality in I'm a already, time of I'm crisis. I'm already feeling closer to the spirit, to divinity. A little less earthly after all of this. So I, I'm excited. I'm personally excited, and I'm excited for our loyal listeners. And we're excited to have you all here with us. Uh, I figure let's start with uh, day three. We're day still three, here. Still here. What's What surprised you, Matt? You know, I was thinking about this today, and what surprised me the most, actually, and you, you, may, you may be surprised to learn this, Adam, is that I'm really liking living with a cat. For those of our listeners who don't know, we, uh, you know, Adam's girlfriend arrived here on Saturday evening to hunker down with us, and she brought with her Momo the cat, uh, who's a sponsor of this podcast. And, you know, I am not a cat person. I've been a dog person my whole life. Had dogs, loved dogs, never liked cats. They, you know... They don't give me nearly enough affirmation. I'm so I need a lot of affirmation in my life. Yes, you certainly do. Yeah, and a, anyone who knows me knows that, and it's one of my weaknesses. But that that's okay. But dogs, you know, they really feed into that, and cats don't really give you any love. Uh, Momo, I've been trying to win over. She has yet to give me any love. I, I think she's fearful of how much she will love me. Maybe, um, but you know, she is really. Stable. She's a calming presence, and I think she's been good for the apartment. Absolutely. I don't. She has no idea what's happening here. Um, again, Momo underscore is underscore a underscore cat on Instagram. If you want to have that same calming presence through your mobile device, I, I think. When I think about labor, we talk a lot about emotional labor, and mm. Momo is doing all of the emotional all, labor. None right of now. the physical labor. No physical she's labor. She's not cleaning. She's not cleaning. She's not carrying groceries, but she she's is. She's not able to do any of our work for us either. She doesn't have opposable thumbs. Uh, but she is, she is keeping us all sane. Uh, anything so else? Anything you know, else surprising? You know, the other thing I will say that's a little bit niche is. Uh, you know, the way I've interacted with people in the park has changed a little bit. You know, I was biking in the park today, and when people rode past me on their bicycles, normally I would try to keep up with them, but, 
you know, it, it sort of lessened my competitive spirit and, and made me say, you know, just sit back and, and stay isolated. So it, it's kind of changing the way that I, that I interact with people in the park. But what, what surprised you, Adam? I think it was today when we found out that there may be a quarantine. There may be a kind of a shelter in, shelter place, in place in New York City, similar to what they already have on the West Coast. And I, it didn't really phase me. I think last mm. week, as I thought about that eventuality, um, I was panicking. I was really freaking out about what that would mm. mean. And today, I think I've become more comfortable with that's the reality that we'll have. And that I will continue to survive and live with it. But, you know, is it any... If we are ordered to shelter in place, is that going to be any different from what we're already doing? That That's exactly what I think I realized, is that I am already doing that. I am already doing my part. So, you know, now that it is a legal order, may may make no difference for me. Mm. Mm. But, you know, it's... I don't think it's a legal order yet. There seems to be a lot of confusion going on, perhaps not surprisingly, between the mayor and the governor. Maybe talk a little bit about that. I think that, uh, you know, there, there are times where people don't always communicate the way they should. Um, and here, the, the two have already... This is Mayor Bill de Blasio and Governor Andrew Cuomo. They have not had the greatest relationship. They've fought and sparred over... The subway in particular, but lots of other schools, lots of other things. Yep. Um, And here, Cuomo is really taking the lead, and I think that's good. De Blasio has been playing catch-up. We've talked a lot about that on this podcast. Um, And here, there, there seems to be a switching with Cuomo saying that he is the only one who could order that kind of quarantine and de Blasio saying you should expect one in 48 hours, but I'm okay. I'm not stressing about it. It is what it is. If it's the right thing to do, it's the right thing to do. And it it probably is the right thing to do. And it will not materially change my life right now. Mm. You know, speaking of right things to do, one thing we were talking a little bit about earlier is what the right thing to do by New York's restaurants is. This is hitting New York's restaurants maybe as hard or or harder than anyone else. You know, what are you thinking about, Adam, for your favorite restaurants? How how are they going to stay in business through this? What what are you trying to do? Absolutely, yeah. So I think a lot of people have been using this opportunity to break out their Dutch oven, break Mm. out their kitchen mixer. We have been using the Le Creuset a lot. And that's great for your Instagram. That's great for your mental health. Um, but I think it's important to think about those restaurants that you rely on. And if you are someone like Matt or I, who often order in dinner due to the nature of our jobs, and you have supported those restaurants and you enjoy those restaurants, take a second sometime this week and think about, I'm going to order in from the restaurant that I love, or I'm going to order in from the restaurant that is in my building. What can you do to help these restaurants? Well, buy food from them. And I would encourage you, call the restaurant, use their preferred delivery service. Don't give any money to Seamless, Grubhub, Caviar at a time like this. Go straight to the restaurant. Their menus are online. Tell them what you want. Someone will come and tip in cash. And that's what you can do to give back. And, you know, you had a good idea, too, of calling a restaurant and saying, hey, what do you have extra of? What what do you want me to order because you know at a time like this the sort of ingredients that the restaurant has ordered and, and what they're actually using may be totally different so I really like that idea of calling up and saying hey wh- what do you actually want me want me to order so 
What restaurants are you going to order from? Well, I think I'm going to order from The Quarter. It is the restaurant that is in the basement of our building. Uh, you, you pointed out that we should definitely order ramen. Ramen is not something that necessarily travels well, so we think that there's definitely mm. going to be... Those restaurants are going to be struggling. I, you know, it's sad, too, because this I actually built this as my winter of noodle soups. And I spent a lot of time eating ramen this winter, and now I haven't had ramen in like a week and a half now, and it's it's dragging. It's what got me through the cold. It's what gave me comfort, and I could really use it. So I'm looking forward to when this is all over, having a very hearty bowl of ramen. And I am a huge fan of all the dollar pizza places that bless this fair five boroughs. So <laughs> I don't know if they're still open, but... As I think about spring and what I hope to see when this is all over, I would love to walk out the door and grab a dollar slice without a care in the I don't think there's any dollar slice actually near us here where we actually live here in Brooklyn. There's uh, there's one on DeKalb and Flatbush. There's one, there are like three on Fulton Mall. I think this is a, a difference between my culinary habits <laughs> and perhaps yours. Yeah, I've, I've been looking for the salad places. Well, take this as a directive loyal listeners, to support your local restaurants, support your favorite restaurants, and when this is all over, uh, make sure you do what you can to help them get back on their feet. You know, Adam, one thing I'm wondering is, how, how are you feeling, though, emotionally? I had a moment of, of real vulnerability last night when I felt a tiny little tickle in my throat right before I went to bed, and, and I thought, shoot, maybe I'm getting sick. Um, and, you know, kind of felt how scary this, this pandemic is for a lot of people, really, I think, for the first time. How, how are you feeling? Have you had a, a moment of vulnerability like that? <coughs> well, uh, the, the, coughing, the coughing is not scaring me. Uh, I'm really struggling with work right now. It's really, really hard to work remotely. It's really hard to turn off work. I've never had a work dream before because I keep my work life and my personal life so separate. Um, but last night, you know, when you go to bed and the laptop is still on in the other room, it's, it's much harder to separate those things. Um, and I had, I mean, it was pretty innocuous, but dreamed about something work-related. Um, and that, that was a real wake-up call. It is going to be really hard over these next couple weeks to keep keep work and not work separate when they are inhabiting the same physical space. And it kind of goes the other way, too. You know, it, it's hard to not, when you're trying to get work done, not end up having 30 minutes of, of banter in the middle of the day with your roommates and stuff like that. So I think this is a struggle for everyone. Do you have any, any tips for our listeners for keeping their work life and their, and their real lives uh, separate? I'm doing whatever I can to keep work out of the bedroom. I'm using the dining room table and I'm using the couch. I'm trying not to video conference from my bedroom. Mm. So, you know, speaking of advice, I'm really excited to get advice from our next guest on this podcast. Adam, want to tell us a little bit about our next guest before we give them a ring? Absolutely. We will be talking to the Reverend Mia Kano. She is up in Massachusetts. She is a priest. Um, and we're going to chat with her about what this means from a spiritual side of things. How do you stay connected in a digital world? Um, and we're really looking forward to having her perspective. 
Hi, hey. Nina. How are you doing? You're on the Corona Pod. Uh, wonderful. I'm very excited. We're excited to you? have you. We're great. We just took our temperatures. Uh, they're they're normal. Mine's 97.7. I believe mine was 96.8. Listeners, feel free to check us on that. <laughs> nice. I, I assume that. you don't have uh, the latest temperature read on yourself from Massachusetts. I do not. I can go find my thermometer. No, no. That, no. But you're, you're feeling well. You're feeling well. That's what we care about. I'm, I'm feeling well. Thank you. So maybe tell us a little bit, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about what you do. Uh, You're not in a sort of typical late capitalist industry. Uh, You're much closer to holiness than that. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Sure. I'm an Episcopal priest. I serve an Episcopal church in Wellesley, Massachusetts which is one of the the wealthiest suburb in Boston. So I'm quite a bit closer to capitalism than you think, Um, but I spend my days trying to get people to be a little more countercultural in their priorities and their values in life. Mm. And and, uh, have you noticed any change in your your flock over the past few few weeks or even few days? Are, Are people being maybe a little more mindful of each other, um, maybe a little more charitable. Totally. Totally. So in the last couple weeks, my job has entirely shifted. Um, We're not having, we're not allowed to have worship together anymore. That's both from the government and from our bishop. As an Episcopalian, I have to obey the bishop. And Mm. he has um, decreed We all all have bosses. Yes, we all have bosses. <laughs> actually, my boss was pretty ahead of the bishop, actually. He went ahead and said um, we shouldn't be gathering together um, even before the bishop did. One of the things about church is it's a place where generations gather together. It's one of the few places in society these days where you have the elderly and kids in community together, and that means we're a place where people are really vulnerable to getting diseases passed. Um, we also drink out of one cup <laughs> uh, in our service. That's a big part of our service. Um, so the first thing that we did would be um, took away the cup so people weren't uh, sharing their wine glass um, during our service, which is kind of a big deal. Mm. Um, and then we stopped gathering. And so there's this big question of what does it mean to be church when we're not physically together? Um And I think church actually means even more these days now. Um, We have this community that's learning how to reach out to each other um, over social media, over phone calls. People um, know who in their community is especially vulnerable, who's isolated, and they're working extra hard to take care of those people. Um, Not physically, not visiting them, but through phone calls and letters and things like that. How do you guys think about having a religious experience in this kind of digital world? Understanding that you can bring community together through calling people and video chats and that sort of thing. But what what makes it religious? What are you guys trying to do on Sunday when people come together in kind of perhaps a, a bigger way? Yeah, so we're actually doing Facebook Live worship. So every morning we have morning prayer. And as Episcopalians, we all own a Book of Common Prayer, 
and we pray a special um, daily office together. So we're actually on Facebook, Facebook Live. You can go to my page and watch me pray morning prayer. And, you know, you can look up in the corner and see how many people are praying along with you. And you can comment. Um, people commented asking me to pray for specific people they were worried about during this morning's prayer. And then Sunday, we had 100 people tune in to our Facebook Live morning prayer where we um, read some scripture and said prayers together. And mm. we really missed the singing. We haven't figured out how to do the singing yet. Um, that's an important part of worship. Yeah, I, I tried. I'm also, yeah, I, reading I, through different ways. Yeah, what's up? No, I was going to say, I, I tried to sing happy birthday to a cousin over video chat yesterday. And, and <laughs> singing is a little challenging. Uh, you know, it is hard. right now. <laughs> so let, let us know if, yeah. you, if you figure anything out. We're, we're wondering, you know, what are you thinking about saying in your next sermon? Um, it, it feels like the world is changing so fast week to week. So as you think to next Sunday, what do you think you might say? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I said in my last sermon. And this is going to reveal how much of a nerd I am. Um, <laughs> I listened to a podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, which basically looks at Harry Potter as if it's Holy Scripture. And it's taught me a lot about <laughs> reading the Bible, actually. Um, and this last podcast, um, uh, they had an Episcopal priest on. I'm waiting for them to ask me on, obviously. Um, but they were, uh, he was saying, he was talking about a scene from, if you remember, the second to last Harry Potter book. Hagrid mm-hmm. has a broken wand and an umbrella. Spoilers. He's trying to put out a fire, um, that his hut's on fire, and he's trying to put it out with a broken wand. And the priest said that this was what it feels like these days. We're trying to put out fire with broken tools and what he said was the crisis we have is the crisis we have and the tools we have are the tools we have and the fact that we don't have the tools we need doesn't excuse us from doing the work so that's what I preached about I preached about the scary things my parishioners were facing not just not just COVID-19 but um you know, kids who are getting diagnosed with um, behavioral issues, um, people dealing with cancer diagnosis, divorce, all the sort of crises, everyday crises that we face that we just don't feel equipped for. And, you know, ending with that we're in this together and we know we're not, we're who we are and, you know, the crisis we have, the crisis we have, the tools we have are the tools we have and the community we have we have the community we have um and so turning and trusting that god has put us here um to do this work that was my sermon and a couple of first years said it was the first time i cried <laughs> listening to a sermon mm. at my church so it resonated for some people i, I imagine you think that we're going to come out of this stronger and hopefully that there are new tools that we will have right this is you know you, you say that the tools yeah. we have are the tools we have, but we, we are creating yeah. new tools. That's so true. I'm watching the church innovate at such crazy speeds. My Both my colleagues have learned how to Zoom, have learned how to do Facebook Live, have learned all these different pieces of digital evangelism that they have never done before. And 
it really reminded me that my job is not about bringing people into a specific building. It's about bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to people. And we're finally using tools that have existed and have been around that other people have been using, but we're really grabbing a hold of them because that's what we have to reach people. Well, hearing that makes me hopeful that we can all find new tools to go about our daily lives and to get through all of this, whether it, it's Adam's uh, tool of fun backgrounds on, on Zoom video conferencing or, uh, or the government's tools of, fi- of finding ways to actually slow the spread of the disease. Yeah, I think, I think too, though, as a priest, I'm here to offer really ancient tools, tools that humanity has had for a really long time, and one of those tools is prayer. So I've been making little um, YouTube channel videos for kids, teaching them how to pray and how prayer can be a real tool when we're facing anxiety and uncertainty and the adults around us are scared. Um, What does it look like to sit down, close our eyes, and calm ourselves and bring those worries to God? That's an ancient tool. Well, we're we're certainly glad that... uh, we can have you on this podcast. Perhaps podcasting is what's next. Um, you know, I, I heard actually that you as a kid were a big NPR fan and uh, had wanted to be on the radio. We, we're, not, we're not on the radio yet, uh, but, you know, yes, this is something. that was how I, as a little kid, that's how I thought I would have known I had made it if I was interviewed on NPR as an expert. And I think this is a big step toward that. So thank you for having me on and achieving a little bit of my childhood dream. Well, you, you certainly are an expert, um, and we're so happy to have you on the podcast. And I'm sure your parishioners are so happy to have you leading them through this challenging time. Thanks thank so, much. You so much. I've been enjoying your podcast. Keep it up. Thank you. Stay healthy. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. You know, wh- one thing... Um, Mia, of course, is fabulous. One thing I realized during that is today is, of course, St. Patrick's Day. Mm. I think happy uh, Saint. Not ha- that I'm a big celebrator of St. Patrick's Day, but happy St. Patrick's I, Day. I don't think anyone was really celebrating it today, but it did make me think that we missed some other holidays too. Mm. What other What other holidays we, did we, we miss? missed? Pi Day. Pi. You know, I was thinking about that on Saturday. That it's Pi Day, but no mention of that anywhere. And, and we miss the Ides of March. And I think what it is is that the types of people who would celebrate Pi Day and the Ides of people. March, data-driven, you know, perhaps more academically inclined, nerdier people, these are the type of people who were probably telling all of us how bad this was going to be back when we were, you know, just, just three days ago, not realizing what, what was coming. And I think they were too busy trying to warn us that we needed to flatten the curve ahead of the curve to, uh, to remind us how special Pi Day really is. So, Well, you know, I think that's a good note to end to remind us that what we really need to do in a moment like this is listen to the experts. Until next time, this has been Coronapod. Stay healthy and thanks for listening.